0: To to restart the game and this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five left hash marks 10-15 Hits a hole hard <laughs> He's to the 25-30 Breaks into the clear Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races It's set for
1: the down That was what like. No one will him. It's a touchdown My goodness Came into the game Williams football with a good entry Didn't practice all week but he just took it right The gut through the heart of the Minnesota Viking Conference Junior. Man, oh man, have I missed you guys. Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text to the phone number 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. We are back in Tennessee right here in the Packernet podcast studios. And, um, man... Feels like forever since I've chatted with you guys. So I want to apologize, obviously, going in. I tried to warn everyone. I don't know exactly how this is going to play out. My phone has been blowing up um, for, you know, things outside of the podcast. Um, And I'll be honest with you, man. I just kind of tried to unplug a little bit. I tried to stay connected with you guys on Twitter because I wanted to kind of keep my you know, my eyes uh, on what's going on with the Packers while we were out of town. Obviously, you give me four days of just geeking out over U.S. history, and it's going to be hard to uh, to keep me focused on anything other than that. So um, we're back, like I said, got back into town roughly. God, what? I don't even know what the day is. What is today? I'm recording <laughs> on Wednesday evening, so this will go out on Thursday around noon. Um, uh, we got back into town I believe late Monday. yeah, we had a flight delayed, but um it's just good to be back, man. Um, you got the draft coming up quick. I gotta finalize my draft, but we'll got a ton of work to do there. i'm I'm taking my wife to the airport tomorrow. she's heading out to Florida. um it's funny we've been just everywhere. it's I don't even want to talk about all the places that we've had to travel to. I say had to you know it's just having fun living life, but um. Yeah, so we got to get her to the airport tomorrow at <laughs> some time, I think early in the morning. She's got to catch a red eye. And um, I'm going to be here by myself at Fort Bailey, right? <laughs> and I will have all weekend to put in some work podcasting and stuff like that. So we may we may put out some extra episodes if, as, as long as Ryan is cool with it um, and uh, try to get you guys some extra content. I want to say this, though, man, Jake, um, he and uh, I, I, I can never remember his co-host's name. Um, you know, I've had Jake on the show, but I think his name is – I think it's Mason. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm so sorry if I'm getting the name wrong, but they did a mock draft. I think it was around the 27th of this month. Um, so just a couple of days ago, it was a phenomenal mock draft. It was so cool. Listen, I want to give them a shout-out because they absolutely crushed that. So much insight. I'm going to tell you right now, man, the team that Ryan has put together is phenomenal. And those two guys, hearing them give insights on each pick, why they chose those picks for those teams? A little bit of trade talk as well, some trade potentials, um, and and just the the details that they have on each prospect is just unbelievable. Like I, I'm listening to Jake talk about this, and I'm going, he is just as good as Daniel Jeremiah. Like it, I was blown away. So shout out to Jake, awesome work. And I obviously appreciate when he comes on the show, and I try not to bug him right now. I know he's busy with draft stuff, but maybe we can get him on here real soon. That would be great. But today, we're going to hit on a few things to kind of get caught up. Um, I know there's been a ton of talk about Goody's comments. I try not to laugh because it's just Goody <laughs> – Goody jumped in a ring and just just pimp slapped Aaron right back. You know Aaron's been slapping Goody for the last three days. Three three days. I wish it was just three days. The last three years on the Pat McAfee show. Um, then you had Lafleur step in. Lafleur seems to be the only mature one in the group. I got to be honest with you, man. Like Mark Murphy and the stuff he said, the way he worded it, we were all like did he say what I think he said or he, he couldn't have worded it any more confusing on his comments. And, and it's amazing how everybody heard the same thing, heard him say the same thing, but we came away with differing opinions on what he meant. Um, so he just confused the heck out of everybody. Right. Goody goes on, you know, uh, to to talk about Aaron, gave him a couple backhanded compliments. And then they, they hear from LaFleur Lafleur's is just like the only mature one in the group. LaFleur is just like, Hey man, it is what it is. Like, Aaron got us all contract extensions through his play. He's a big reason that we had a lot of success, probably the biggest reason. And um, I just appreciate our friendship and everything that we w- were able to accomplish over the last four years. It's time to move on, right, which is the proper way of handling all the way around. It's just, man, it, you know, I sent a tweet out, and Ryan got a kick out of it, I know. But it was, you know, uh, basically I, I retweeted – I quote tweeted <laughs> – one of my past tweets where I said, man, basically the, the, the gist of the tweet was, you know, the one good thing for Packer fans, this isn't going to end the way Favre's era did, right? They're, they're going to come to a mutual agreement, and both parties seem to agree we need to part ways and this and that. And it has been nothing but that. It's turned into a fiasco. It's turned into just as much, if not more, drama. Than the Favre situation. And I think everyone's to blame for it. Uh, there's plenty of blame to go around. And we got a poll that we're going to kind of chat about here a little later in the episode, but or in this pod. And it's just amazing. But I basically quote tweeted that and said, Life comes at me fast rather than, you know, life comes at you fast. Say, hey, hi, you got this wrong. I was completely wrong. Completely wrong. <laughs> I thought for sure this is the best thing that could happen. Now, you guys know I don't, I don't agree with the trade. From a sense of like, you couldn't have handled that aspect any worse. If you were just going to trade him, why give him a contract extension? Because you you literally have the worst of every scenario. Which that's what amazes me about people who are pretending like Brian Gutekunst has just always oh, played this perfectly. And I'm going, he he turned down a hall of picks for Aaron Rodgers because he was saying he wanted you know Aaron's going to retire a Packer. We have we have no interest in trading Aaron Rodgers, right? And then you fast forward two years later now you're not getting a hall of picks right and and we'll have we'll, we'll talk a little bit about leverage here in a second which is another hilarious topic to me um, how people can be so dug in on both sides like and and not even not even consider uh you know whether or not they may be a little bit inaccurate in what they think the compensation is which it's amazing how not many people are even mentioning the compensation. It's just, we've got the leverage. No, we've got the leverage. Okay, cool. So what do you think we should get? I really don't know what to compensate. What? How are you so dug in on you have the leverage, but you're not willing to put your neck out there and go, we're going to get this. I think we'll get at least this. If you truly have the leverage, put that out there. Right. And this is both for Packers fans and Jets fans. Just amazing. I'm sitting back going, man, I really don't know. It's kind of unprecedented, right? The guy might play one or two years, but anyway, Goody, you, you know, you give him this contract extension and you structure it in a way where it's pretty much, it's almost impossible to trade Aaron Rodgers because of the way the cap hits going to tie up your salary cap. And, and then you, you, you see the structure in a way. Well, okay. Well, if he walks, walks away after this year, all right, we're going to get some, some salary cap relief. You guys know, I've, I've talked about that. Hell, I put a tweet out that just simply said, Hey man, even when he is traded, you know, meaning, if he is traded post june if he's traded before the draft then you're essentially saying i want picks and we're just going to kind of roll with what we got this year and then we'll reset next year if that's the plan hey i can under- understand that you know that perspective but <laughs> it's like you you're not getting the picks now you're absorbing the biggest cap hit if he is traded before june june 2nd right so you got the negative aspect of the cap hit The worst-case scenario of the cap hit, you're you're taking it. You're taking less, probably not even a third of what you would have gotten if you had traded him two years ago when, oh, by the way, Aaron was saying, just trade me. You drafted your guy, go with him and trade me, right? And and I was one at the time going, no, man, I don't want to trade him. I think they drafted this guy to kind of mold him for when Aaron retires, right? But again – Everything that's been talked about is so skewed, it's not even funny. And and I'm not going to sit here and get into an arguing, you know, argument or a shouting match with people pointing out, here is what was actually said on both sides. But I do know this, somebody's lying. Somebody is definitely lying. And it amazes me how, you know, I even heard on the Pat McAfee show, they're like, well, you know, both sides can be true BS. They can't be, they can't be. If, if Aaron, If the last time Aaron spoke to Goody when he went into the darkness retreat was, hey, we want you back. If you want to retire, that's cool too. Just make up your mind, you know, whatever. Uh, And didn't even give him a deadline, right? And then Aaron comes out and he has screenshots and are hearing messages from people that he trusts around the league that, hey, the Packers were shopping you while you were in there, right? Then Goody needs to say that. Yeah, we did that, right? Now, what did Goody say? They tried to reach out to Aaron multiple times this offseason, right? Aaron conveniently didn't mention that on the McAfee show, right? And if that's the case, that he was basically shunning him and wouldn't return his calls, then hey, Goody's got every right to shop him, right? Because he's like, look, hey, we don't know what this guy's going to do. So I understand that perspective. But both of those things can't be true. They can't. You know, McAfee keeps making this joke and kind of alluding to the fact that it might come down to something to where, is Goody talking about he couldn't get a hold of him while he was in the Darkness Retreat? If that's the case, now it comes back to Goody, right? Like that's that's just silly. It sounds like a cop out. If you want to move on, move on, right? And that's what that's what I I don't understand about the people who are pretending like Brian Goodykins has played this absolutely perfect. It's like if it if you knew it could possibly come to this, then trade him for the Hall of Picks two years ago, right? Like. This makes no sense. You literally bought high, sold low, absorbing a huge cap penalty for the worst trade scenario possible to get the minimum amount of return. And somehow, some way, people are seeing this as if this is a great move by Goody. He's playing it perfect. I'm sorry, I can't. I respect your opinion, but I respectfully disagree with that. That's that's insanity to me. You bought high, sold low, and now you're The goalposts are constantly moving. It started off, we're getting two first-round picks, baby. Hey, here it comes, right? We've got all the leverage. And then it turns into, "Eh, well, I don't know. I think we can get two twos. What? That is drastically different from what you were screaming was the the real-time leverage, you know, however many weeks ago. And now people are saying, well, if you – if you have to wait another year, the price is going up. If you have to wait till after June, the price is going up. That doesn't make any sense. You know, I've heard some people say uh on Twitter that some guys were hitting me up and through the DMs as well, they're like, Aaron ain't gonna show up to camp. Guys, everybody said that about Brett Favre until that plane landed at Austin Strabo Airport. <laughs> And here come four walking off, and they had to literally escort him up to the luxury box, and they only get a third-round pick, right? So you can say it's highly unlikely, yes. But to sit here and pretend like there's absolutely no way that that can happen, that is a scenario. And it's very, very convenient to pretend like that's not a scenario. If Aaron – if they do play hardball now and – the Jets say, no, we're not giving you what you want. Okay, cool, then we'll keep him. All right, so you keep him. All Aaron has to do is show up to camp. Well, he ain't going to do that. Why would he not do that? If he shows up to camp and he rides the pond, they're probably going to inactivate him, right? They're gonna They're going to set him as inactive on game days, and you're still paying him that money. Oh, by the way, next year, the salary cap situation gets even worse. Because now it's going to cost even more in dead money because he didn't retire, or you didn't trade him, triggering the escalators. Like he absolutely could do that, and when you get to that point, what happens? If he if it if it gets to that point, I don't think it will. I think there is a very slim chance of that happening. I'm just simply saying the people that are going, oh, no chance, no chance. Yeah, there's a chance. And it, it, let me just let me put it this way: if I'm Joe Douglas, right? If I'm Joe Douglas, I'm going, listen, Aaron's going to play for us this year. If if Aaron doesn't play for us this year, we tried, okay? We tried our best. They, we're not going to give up a ton of draft capital for a guy that may just play in the league one year, right? Which is amazing. It's amazing to me how so many people were talking about how Aaron Rodgers was the problem last year. Aaron Rodgers is the reason that this – this team can't win. Aaron Rodgers isn't running Matt LaFleur's system. Oh, by the way, Matt LaFleur answered that question and he scoffed at it when he was asked, you know, what were your, you know, your system, were, you know, we assume your system's going to look different. And he said, yeah, I keep hearing that. And he's like, "What the hell are y'all getting that from? Like, he, and then he went on to say exactly what me and Dusty Evely talked about, exactly what me and Coach Han talked about that. Every year things change in the NFL. What's made Belichick so great so many years is he's he's willing to evolve, he's willing to adapt and go, okay, what are defenses doing? All right, let's change this aspect up. It's how Matt LaFleur's offense automatically suddenly shifted into an RPO offense. Why? Because people across the league were having success with it. Now defenses have caught up to the RPO game, and now the darling, the new darling is the six back system that Philly's running. And you're going to see other teams go to that. Someone will draft Anthony Richardson with the sole purpose of installing a six-pack system, which a 6 back system, in my opinion, kind of fits what the Colts want to do now with their new coaching hires. But there's just so many things that come into play. And I heard LaFleur say that. Now, I like, thank you, Matt, for curing that. And there's literally people that are going – they're pretending like that wasn't what was said. I'm like – how are we all listening to the same exact words and coming away with different perspectives? Which I want to say, I think is fascinating. I think it's good talk. I think it's good, healthy conversation if people are willing to listen to each side. But, you know, when you create this, I don't know, this this whole, um, you know, I think uh, someone said it. I think Ryan said it on his pod, a matter of fact. Yeah, Ryan mentioned it, this echo chamber. And I think I think a message came in from a listener too. We're gonna to read here in a second. Um, but Ryan was talking about he didn't want to create an echo chamber. And I think Ryan does a great job when people do when people do call in and they have a differing opinion, he doesn't just blast them. He kind of, well, yeah, I see where you're coming from. He may strongly disagree, but it's not just no, shut up, you're wrong, right? There's just way too much echo chamber now. You know, like what the caller was saying, if I remember correctly, I think it was a Packer net after dark, if I remember. I think it was Steve. I hope I don't get the name wrong. Steve in uh, um, Alaska, I think. Dude calls in all the time. Phna- I mean, just fantastic caller. Love the dude's passion for the Packers. Love it. And and I'm a. I, I want to go to Alaska. It's on the bucket list, but that's neither here nor there. So, make that happen, Steve. Okay, I'll come up here and help you, you know, run the snowblower if you get me up to Alaska quick. But – he, you know, he said, you know, there, all these people that are saying that that Jordan Love is going to fail, they're why ain't they calling in? Why ain't they calling in? Well, they're they're not calling in because the majority of the people that that do call in, they're all on the same, you know, of these uh, a very similar opinion as Ryan, right? So why do you want to call in and be told that you're wrong? Not that Ryan would. But every other listener disagrees with you. Right. And this is this is just kind of how things evolve when you're having, you know, conversations about, quote unquote, hot topics. Right. Um, People, you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be dunked on. You don't want to. I try not to take that approach. But when I do take that approach, it's because somebody's being an arrogant prick and they're trying to put other people down like they're talking down to them. Right. And that's when I try to come in and go, oh, okay, you like to do that to other people? here. Let me do it to you. Wham, there, how'd that feel, right? And typically you get their, their following coming in to attack you. So we try to stay clear of that. <laughs> but um, it's just fascinating, man. It's it, It's been something that I did not expect it to turn into a farv 2.0, you know, Favre Drama 2.0. And that's exactly what it's become. And I think – Everybody across the board has handled it bad, you know, to, and and here's here's the thing, too, I, with the, the poll I put up, and we'll kind of hit on this in a second. One of the polls, the poll I put up, one of the options was Matt LaFleur. Is Matt LaFleur to blame, right? And and we got a good chuckle out of it because somebody did vote that, and it was like 2% of the vote went to Matt LaFleur. And I was like, how the heck is this Matt LaFleur's fault? I'm not saying it's Matt LaFleur's fault, but the reason it was an option is because I'll tell you this. If, if it is true that Jordan Love was the better quarterback, then he should have pulled Aaron last year. Now, immediately somebody's going, oh, he would have got crucified. You, hey, if you're going to be a leader of a team, right, if you're going to be a leader of an organization, you've got to be willing to do things that's going to get pushback. Let me give you an example. Belichick, they went and won a Super Bowl, and their team captain was Ty Law. Guys, he traded him the next preseason. A team captain, he traded him. And they said there was a mutiny in the locker room. And, and Belichick's response to the whole locker room was good. You guys rally around each other and figure it out then. Because I'd, I'm going to do what's best for the team. And if what I just did pisses you off enough to perform at a different level, then I'm doing my job. But I do know this. he's on. He, we want to get rid of him a year earlier r- rather than a year late, a lot like how the Packers have operated in the past. And if that's the best move for the team, T-E-A-M, and that's exactly how he said it, then he's going to do what's in the best interest of the team. It's that simple, you know? Um, It's just – it's wild. So, anyway, let's get into some of these messages because we've had people blowing us up uh, this whole time. I've been on a trip, and and I've responded to everybody really, really quick, but obviously couldn't get it into the show. Uh, There's a bunch that didn't really warrant, you know, responding online or on the pod but uh, i did you know respond personally and we've had some great conversations let's start with dakota from tennessee really surprised me i didn't ask him where he was in tennessee because it's always weird you know some hey where are you living what's your address that type of thing it gets a little bit a little bit shaky but he is messaged here so let's uh let's hit it right here he said hey clayton this is dakota from tennessee i've emailed before so i decided to text this time i have a series of probably simple questions I hear that we don't really have someone to put in the slot on defense. Rasul Savage and Enos Gaines are all names that have been stated as possibilities to play there. Why have I not heard of Jair playing the slot? If we were up against a team that was known for having an OC slash quarterback efficiently attacking the middle of the field, why not put our best player there situationally? Completely agree, especially if our opponent wants to vertically stretch the middle of the field. Or do we really. Or do we already do this? Also, if we play zone defense, why not keep an athletic linebacker or a linebacker slash safety hybrid in the slot at all times? I don't think Barry is known for making major mid-drive adjustments in his scheme. I'm still learning jargon and the multiple names for the same position. For example, is the nickel the same as the slot? So feel free to dumb it down as much as possible, LOL. I understand I can look this all up. But this is more fun. I completely agree. I love talking X's and O's like this because I always end up coming away learning something. So always fire away. And it's not a dumb question and I'm not dumbing anything down. It's a real simple answer that I'm going to get to. I just said very well said, Dakota. I'll definitely hit on this in the next pod, doing um, some other details about being out of town. So it doesn't even matter. Blah, blah, blah. OK, so what's cool is today. um, I said, uh, sounds like the plan is Nixon in the slot. He said, that works for me. Hopefully, we have, they have packages that allow for positional and matchup flexibility. Uh, but I like me some Nixon. So let's just kind of hit on it. You know, why not Jire in the slot? I, you know, me personally, I think, I don't think it would be a bad move putting Jire in the slot. I don't. And there's some people, oh, what about the outside? Where did Jire get beat last year? Think, now, I want you to go back. I'm not just going to make blanket statements like a lot of people do because they want to prove that Aaron Rodgers played bad, and it's just, well, no, it's he just played bad. He just made bad decisions. I'm going to give you specific games. Go to the tape. Go watch Jair Alexander against Terry McLaurin in Washington. Okay? Go watch that game. Where did he get beat? Deep. Right? There was – Another game, and it's it's eluding me right now. There was another game where Jair and we broke it down on chalk talk, people were just bashing the living heck out of uh Joe Barry and his defense. And then you go back and watch the tape and you're like, there's this wasn't Joe Barry's fault. Jair Alexander bit on an underneath route when he knew his responsibility was third deep, right? Up the sideline, sideline deep. And if he likes to bite underneath, man, the slot screaming his name if you get into a situation where he needs the match coverage and cover the scene, he's got all the athletic ability in the world, right? You know, I don't know. To me, it just, the thing that got me, Dakota, was it sounded like coaches allowed the players to choose on the fly where they were going to play. That I mean, that was literally what Joe Barry said. Joe Barry said that in a press conference. Yeah, we give the players freedom to switch it up and move around however they see fit. Like that, That, that just blew my mind. Because I know the level of detail that goes into the red two and things that that Bill Belichick likes to run, and how he utilizes certain matchups, and to think that the goal is just oh, you guys, yeah, go on, you're ready, go, just just do what you want out there, yeah, yeah, if you want to cover him, yeah, it's fine, whatever sideline you want to, that's that's just wild to me. That's not maximizing the talent you have, and it it really goes hand in hand with what Ryan's talked about. Although me and Ryan differ a little bit in the fact that when I see. The, the the play on the field in my opinion doesn't doesn't necessarily say wow this defense is loaded with talent they may have all the measurables but just because you you know have a an ras score of 9.3 or whatever eric stokes's was you know i'll tell you another one that had a great one was kevin king if i remember correctly his ras was through the charts that didn't work out right because it comes down to how you play on the field and if a player isn't performing up to the level in which you drafted him or you expect him or quote unquote starting caliber because he is technically a starting, you know, player on the defense, then I don't give a rat's you know what where he was drafted, what his RAS score, what he did in college, you sucking right now, then that's probably a bad draft pick. Right? Not just well, they don't know how to utilize him. How? Because Jair Alexander decided to bite on a like that doesn't make any sense. I'm not suggesting Jair Alexander sucks. You you've seen him make play after play this year. He made some mistakes too. But when you look at him making mistakes, I can't I, there's no way in my mind that Joe Barry was thinking or told Jair, listen, buddy, feel free to buy on anything underneath. Don't even worry about your over-the-top responsibility. It's not, it's not there. Now, you had a question, Dakota, about the nickel. So essentially the nickel is the third cornerback, okay, in a nickel defense. Some people call it the star position. That actually came from way back in the day with the Detroit Lions that they, w- they would refer to that third DB that's going in or that third corner that's going in. And the reason it's called a nickel defense is because there's five DBs, okay? Five defensive backs, five cent, you know, nickel, right? That's where it got its name. So when you're talking about the third cornerback, that's your nickel back. meaning if you're in a base defense and there's only two corners, right, only two corners and two safeties, then when they go to an 11 personnel and it triggers your nickel defense where you need three corners to cover three wide receivers, that third person coming in is your nickel, okay? So the nickel doesn't necessarily mean the slot. It just simply means the third cornerback on – your, uh, depth chart. And let me give you an example of that. Okay. Charles Woodson, right? Charles, Charles Woodson was always on the field in the base defense. When we ran a Dom Capers 34 base defense, Charles Woodson never came off the field. He played corner, right? When we went to a nickel more times than not, I remember Charles Woodson sliding to the slot. Why is that? They love the fire nickel blitzes. You know, Dom, Dom Capers, defense is a fire zone blitz. Okay, which basically means you're playing zone defense. Most of the time, it's a cover three look. Sometimes they would shift into a two invert. I don't want to get into all the details of that, but they would play zone defense. And a fire zone blitz is designed for a player to blitz, and where he blitzes from, another player drops into that zone. Now, sometimes you've got a heavier blitz look where you may just have two underneath zones and three over the top. You know, that's a little more exotic, but. When Charles Woodson or whoever would blitz, another player would drop into the zone. You remember the famous B.J. Raji pick six, right? That was a fire zone blitz. You had guys blitz, got the quarterback drop back to hit his hot read, and he's not expecting a 310, 320, 330-pound defensive tackle to be in that spot to pick that ball off and take it for six and then put on that the infamous big belt, right, and the Raji dance. That was a fire zone blitz. Let me give you another example. If you guys will remember – um, it was the Steelers versus the Cardinals in the Super Bowl one year. And uh the Cardinals go all the way down the field. They're driving, they're driving. It's funny because I drew this play up for a buddy. I was working at a place called Nuclear Fuels. It's a nuclear, they, they basically process nuclear fuel for the U.S. Navy. Um, really, really high uh security clearance top job, a little bit stressful to be honest with you. It's kind of rough walking around, you know. Uh we we did concrete and steel construction at the time and and when you've got an armed guard with an AR15 behind you at all times it's not like oh man this is a dangerous job it's what if he had a bad day today <laughs> is he going to be the one to just lose his marbles today and go on a shooting a shooting spree right so it was very tense in that in that regard we were doing a remodel in one of their office buildings late one night and we're just goofing around we're on break and we were talking about the super bowl that was coming up and i told a buddy of mine his name is chris Uh, you know, that we were co-workers at the time. I said, let me me show you what's going to happen tonight. And I literally drew out a fire zone blitz because I was real familiar with what Pittsburgh done because, you know, it had been implemented in Green Bay. And I said, James Harrison loves to rush off the edge. You're going to see him drop into coverage. Long story short, that play happened, uh, you know, Kurt Warner, Hall of, first ballot Hall of Famer, drops back, looks for the quick slant. He's not expecting James Harrison to be sitting in that zone. He picks it off, takes it all the way back for six points. Uh, you've seen the famous the famous film of him just reaching for the oxygen mask as soon as he got over. It. That was a fire zone blitz. Okay, so when you talk about sliding Woodson into the slot, that slot corner position, right? He wasn't the nickel corner, but he was playing slot. So I hope that answered that portion of your question, and hopefully we did uh, dumb it down enough. Cause I, sometimes I have a tendency to make things way more confusing than they need to be. If I had a whiteboard and we were sitting here face to face, I could explain it way better. But hopefully that answered your question. Now, um, if you play a linebacker like you're suggesting, you know, uh, an athletic linebacker in the nickel it's not technically a nickel. It would still be a base defense, and I understand where you're coming from with that. The only problem is you're now a little more vulnerable to the past. However, if you look at how defenses attacked us last year, how did Detroit beat us? They ran the ball down our freaking throat, right? And it's because you're so caught up in that nickel defense. You could put an athletic linebacker in there, but you just got to understand the pros and cons. That They come out in a nickel set. You've now got a linebacker that's going to be matched up on a wide receiver in the slot if you're playing zone i understand what you're saying it doesn't really matter but the thing about the Fangio style uh zone defense is they have a lot of man principles to them it's what dusty evely talked about on the pod we did together because everybody just wants to make things so simple right not that you're doing this dakota i'm talking about other people they're like why don't we just play man coverage? put Jair on their best receiver you that's not a thing right now it's not not in this defense now, if you want to say, scrap everything we did in the offseason, scrap everything we did in training camp, let's change it up and just play straight-up man coverage, guys, that's silly. You lose the entire locker room when you do that. Because now what you're saying is, I know I put you guys through the most grueling practices, and we we literally picked you apart when you made mistakes trying to learn this defense. And this Fangio defense has had a lot of success throughout the league. But now at the, at the slot, you know, slot is uh, side of trouble. We're just going to scrap everything that I've been telling you. You lose the locker room. The players now look at you and go, this idiot, he was wrong all along, and he wasted all our time installing this, and now we're just going to play man coverage. That's that's kind of how that would unfold. So I think it's just important to mention that. So, you know, if you went to a linebacker like that, you know, the NFL is, is very cyclical. I wouldn't be surprised, especially with the six-back offense. With the six-back offense and the run heavy you put that extra linebacker in there, that does put you in a little bit better position to, you know, cover the run, to defend the run. Um, But, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that that type of adjustment happened. I'll tell you when it's similar was the Saints in the early 2000s. um, You know, they uh, – I'm sorry, the early 2010s, I should say. um, they, They played a lot of dollar. You know, what's a dollar coverage? Eight DBs, right? You've got your nickel, five DBs, your dime, six DBs, and then you get all the way up to a dollar and it's 8 dB's only 3 3 down linemen 3 rushers whatever you want to say because they wanted to maximize speed on the field when the spread offense was really taking over why did they do that because they seen it firsthand in practice with what Sean Payton was doing their head coach and he he had a really good idea on how to defend that you know he had a, Mike McCarthy ran the spread offense right the West Coast spread they ran that to a T now they like to mix in a lot of full house and I miss those days full house was a was a fun, fun formation to watch. It's kind of like the it, it, it's kind of the equivalent to the pony package, what we wanted the pony package to be this year. And it's funny, me and Dusty talking about that. We were so excited about pony package. And it just flopped. <laughs> it completely flopped. But that's that's the NFL man. Sometimes you go to stuff uh, one or two years uh uh too late, you know. So let's move along here. Thank you, Dakota, for the message. We really appreciate it. Let's move on to some Keyshawn Nixon here. You Actually, mentioned I believe in your yeah about uh you know who you wanted to play slot. Um, it's funny because we have a tweet here from Rob Domofsky. and I want to make sure I'm not getting these mixed up. Yeah, it was you that mentioned that. So Rob Domofsky puts out a tweet, and he said uh, on the defensive side, Lafleur said they're not planning to start out with Russell Douglas at safety. In fact, he wants to move him back outside instead of in the slot. So they're planning on putting Rasul outside on the boundary, which I think that's his best spot. I really do. Um, Keyshawn Nixon will get the first shot at the slot. He still thinks safety is Darnell Savage's best spot. So it sounds like Keyshawn Nixon is going to get a crack at playing the slot um, in that nickel defense. I'm excited about that. I am. You know, yes, you want Keyshawn to be healthy to return kicks, but Keyshawn is just a football player. I mean, you could see it. You could see it when he's covering on special teams. You could see it, the little bit of snaps that he had playing defense. Um, and then, of course, they put him back there to return kicks. He's just one of those players that he's just a freaking football player. And and some players are just – they're born with it. They're, they're just good at understanding football. Maybe it's a high football IQ. I'm not sure. I think with the return aspect, it's got a lot to do with fearlessness. I mean, it really does. Uh, the fact that you're you're willing to stand there with you know looking straight up in the air when you've got you know nine or ten players that are coming fairly free, gunning at you full speed and could take your head off if you don't fair catch to be able to catch that ball, get your eyes back down, dodge the first defender, then have the wherewithal to make a move all while not worrying about injury is just remarkable. But I, I'm really excited to see him in the slot. It sounds like that's what their plan is going into 2023. They're not going to start Rizul out of safety. It sounds like that. LaFleur is okay with Darnell Savage at safety. You guys know how I feel about that. I'm not a big fan of that. It just hasn't worked. Now, maybe this is the year. I said this last offseason, too. Oh, my God. And I do remember saying, we're going to have an answer. We're going to have an answer after this year. I remember saying that. And then Savage comes out and craps the bed. They move him to slot. And I'm thinking, okay, we got our answer. Let's just let him go. But they picked up the fifth-year option. It's too late. Now you got the fifth-year option. You're on the hook for 7.9 million, I believe, fully guaranteed. Unless they trade Savage, I mean that guys, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money for someone who's underperforming. And, and you know, if you trade them and the contract travels, you know, hey, okay, I get it. I understand why you did it now. You try to just recoup some of that loss. But this this kind of goes back to the goody talk, too that people pretending like Goody has made no mistakes. is like, Savage, do you think Savage was a good pick? Like, you know, I'm I'm not here to bash the guy. I can't do what he does. I hope he performs. I said it last year. I was standing on the table screaming, man, I hope he has a good year. I hope he proves this wrong. But to this point, it's not been good, right? Um, But that was a first-round pick. Like, how can you look at that and say that was a good pick? You know, Eric Stokes is another one, and I'm not here to bash Goody. I'm just pointing out, like, how can you be so confident that Goody has done a great job? But you've got all of these signs that's like, and, and you know, I, I heard Ryan the other day on his pod. He's, he's, you know, he said you could find bad picks amongst any GM. That's 100 correct. But are we just trying to be average? And I'm not suggesting that's what Ryan's saying, but like, we we got to call it when it's when it's negative, you know. And that was a bad pick. It was up to this point. Could prove us wrong this year. Eric Stokes has grossly underperformed before the injury last year. He underperformed. Now they're saying that that Stokes may not even be ready for the opener. So we got to kind of plan on that, you know. Um, but I think right now what it's sounding like is you've got Savage and Ford are your safeties, and then you got the, the the new signing there from San Francisco, uh, Tavarius or however you say his name. You know he's going to be competing too. I think Ryan said that, if I understood correctly, he said that. um our lads, which I, I don't know much about that site. I'm sure if Ryan believes in it, I'm sure it's a great site. Um, Ryan has turned me on to more, more you know, great things when it comes to the Packers than any other podcaster. I know that's it's what it's how I found out about Matt Ramage I'm a huge fan of. Uh, there's so many sites. He, he was one of the people that was kind of standing on the table for PFF when everybody else was bashing it and making fun of it, uh, he being Ryan um, you know, was 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 supporting it and it really got me digging into PFF and using it as a as a resource. Um, but if Stokes isn't gonna be ready, but our lads had Tavarius more as a starting safe, there may not even be anything to that. It might just be their their rough draft early on in the offseason because this this roster still got to continue to take shape. Um, yeah, if Stokes isn't ready, then that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas on the outside, Rudy Ford. Darnell Savage at safety, Keyshawn Nixon in the slot when you go to the nickel, which will be the majority of the snaps unless you're playing someone like San Francisco or a a team that wants to run, you know, that may switch it up and go to a 12-look more often, you know. It's going to be very, very fascinating to see how offenses attack this year because things change so quickly in the NFL. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of how I see it, man. Um, Again, that was Rob Demosky that said that. He said, as for Eric Stokes, LaFleur said – uh, the The hope is to get him back as soon as possible, which may mean he won't be ready for the opener after his significant significant ankle injury last season. And he said, Lafleur ended with this: "Get ready for Keyshawn Nixon package on offense." <laughs> I would love to to see Lafleur say that, like you know, like see his facial expression.
0: We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10 percent off your first purchase by going to arenaclubcom packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10 percent off a $400 slab pack that's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclubcom packdaddy for 10 percent off your first purchase. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotorist.com. Eligible items only? Exclusions apply.
1: Because, man, if they put Keyshawn Nixon on offense and they have a package for him, bro, I'm going to lose my mind. That's right down my alley. Like I loved watching Charles Woodson at Michigan. That type of stuff just gets me giddy, man. When you're being creative, he's probably BS, and I'm just over here getting getting my hopes up for no reason. But anyway, again, thank you so much for the message, Dakota. I think we covered everything in that. And it's, it's a fascinating conversation. It just so happened tweets came down the pike where uh, we were uh, we were finding this stuff out in real time of kind of what the plan is. It's kind of odd that that he's showing his cards this early, uh, you know, he being Matt LaFleur. But, uh, yeah, we're going to play this one here and this one there because it does give other teams – Kind of a game planning advantage, but at the same time, he could be bluffing. So we'll we'll know in due time for sure. Let's go into the next message. This comes in from Jack. Jack messaged the show and said, "Um, what are your thoughts on? Uh, I'm sorry. He says from what What are your thoughts on this? From what I think, baseline compensation for Rodgers trade uh, would be about a second this year and next year. Anything over that, and Goody one." And below that he lost. So he's kind of setting that that line as far as um compensation for the Aaron Rodgers trade. Right. And what he is simply saying is if you get a second this year and a second next year, I feel like anything more than that goody won, anything less than that, goody lost. Um I think I've heard Ryan say that as well. It's kind of I don't want to put words into his mouth, but I think I think he kind of settled in in that. You know, if we get two twos, then yeah, it was worth it. Right. Now there's other people that disagree with that dramatically. Right. And, and really, if you're talking about the baseline being a second round pick this year and a second round pick next year, compared to what we would have gotten two years ago, you know, it's ugly, but you're talking about two different times. I completely get that. And you can't live in the past. You got to deal with, here's what we have right now. Here is the scenario right now. Right. But it, it's amazing though, because everyone's arguing leverage, but they won't give an answer. That's what blowing my mind. Like it's all oh, the Packers definitely have all the leverage, and there's Jets fans going, "You're crazy! You're crazy!" I can't even say it. I don't know. I mean, that that sounded weird. I think that was like from another country accent, not Jersey. But they're they're just all like, "You're you're nuts!" If you think that the Packers have the leverage, and Packer fans are like, "You're crazy!" If you think the Jets have, the okay, great. So what are you thinking they get? Oh, I don't really know. How do you not? How do you so? How are you so animated? with your opinion that one team or the other has all the leverage, but you won't give it a, a firm answer on what you think the, the compensation will be. I mean, it's literally like saying, oh, yeah, we're beating them. Oh, we're smoking them on the court. Absolutely. What's the score? I don't know. I'm not even really keeping up with the score, but we're smoking them. What? <laughs> How does that even make sense? And everybody's arguing over this. Like they're just going back and forth. And, and it blows my mind. Jack, I love that you put a baseline out there, man. Like, at least you're putting something on it, right? And you haven't even told me who you think has the leverage. I love that you said it out there and like, okay, if we get more than that, then Goody did great. I agree. If you get less than that, then Goody got taken. I agree with that. Um, I think that's a pretty good firm starting point there as far as a baseline, for sure. But it just blows my mind how people are just arguing over this stuff. And, and I'm not the one that's like going to argue with other fan bases. Guys, there's so many things that I need to learn about the Green Bay Packers. Schematically, from a front office standpoint, from what's going on with the stadium, all the way down to the new video boards. Like I want to know every little detail about the Green Bay Packers. And that's what I wanted this podcast to be is Packers total access. We wanted to give you a podcast that's going to give you all the stuff that anything less than a diehard fan would just think that's boring i don't care about it i want i want people to listen to podcasts podcast it's like Man, give me more of that. I need to, I need to know every little aspect. I want to understand when I sit down and watch the game on Sunday afternoon or Monday night or whenever it may be. I want to know what I'm looking at. I want to know what to expect. I want to know, okay, that was Joe Barry's fault. Or no, that that had nothing to do with Joe Barry because they blew this coverage. Or that's Aaron Rodgers' fault. Look, he's horrible. He's washed up. No, actually his receiver was falling down and run the wrong route. And then on the flip side, you go to Detroit and it's yeah, that was Aaron Rodgers' fault. Why? Tune in to Chalk Talk. We'll show you why. Bad decision here, bad decision there, bad decision there. That game's on 12. We should have won it, and Aaron Rodgers gave it away. Like you, the details behind everything that actually happens on the field. That's I have never, I haven't found a podcast that does that yet. So I thought, why not take a swing at it and do it in a way that you can bring in people that are way more knowledgeable about things than I am, like a Dusty Evely, right? Like a Jake Schavink. When it comes to the draft, you know, and then we bring in the the whole fanhood of of Jacob, you know, on the post game show with me, you know, where he's like, he's giving you that raw emotion. And it's just it's absolutely awesome. And just in the same in the same boat, you know, lifelong Packer fans that that they're, you know, their their parents and their grandparents were Packer fans. And and it's just something that was bred into him. And here I, I've only been a fan since 2003. Right. So we can lean on the fan aspect, lean on the draft expert, lean on the film study guru, the one, you know, Dusty Ely that I refer to as the Greg Cosell of Packer fans. Right. And then you got Ryan, who's just the freaking grinder that's going to put out podcast after podcast day in and day out. And then when he misses a day, one out of 365, he's beating himself up over it. But you're going to constantly get content. Right. People that, that genuinely care and want to educate themselves and other people on the Green Bay Packers. Excuse my language, but I don't give a damn what the Jet fans think. I don't care what Bear fans think. I don't care what Vikings fans think. Like, that stuff, that doesn't, you know, arguing with other fan bases doesn't do a thing for me. Because if you're arguing, you know, you're you're not getting anywhere. There's a saying, I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but it was, it was something along the lines of, you know, like, uh, you know, the people that talk about other people rather than ideas, like they're not going anywhere, right? Like if, if all you do is talk about other people, then that didn't get you any closer to a a better human being, uh, better at your craft or a better understanding of what it is you're trying to dig into. But talking about ideas, talking about scheme, talking about, hey, what happens if we put Jire in the slot? Okay, we've done that in the past with Woodson. Did it work out? Did it not? Right? Those are the things that make us better fans. So I'm going to get off my soapbox there. But I just don't understand that. Like, yeah, oh, what are the Bears fans doing? I, I don't care. Like, this ain't a Bears podcast. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what Jets thinks is fair compensation. I care more about, damn, we should have traded Aaron Rodgers two years ago if this was the goal. We bought high and sold low. No, no, we didn't. Goody's done great. Okay. Sorry I mentioned. It. <laughs> like, why do you think he's great? He just is. All right. Got it. Got it, partner. Got it. And I've been a goody defender. And I and I do think he does a good job. I, I'm I'm one of those that falls in between. Like, I don't think Goody should be on the hot seat. Now, if we come out this year and Jordan Love flops, right? That's whether you like Goody or not, I like Goody. But if you're going to put your head in the sand and pretend like his legacy isn't going to be tied to that Jordan Love pick, you're kidding yourself. You are. And it's unfair to Jordan. That's that's another thing too is people were talking about how Jordan's being disrespected and and I see it and it sucks for him. But at the same time, who put him in that spot? It wasn't Aaron Rodgers. Although we if you hear some people, they would you would think that, right? Brian Gutekunst is the one who drafted him to sit for three years. Andrew Brant's talked about it over and over and over how Aaron's agents would come to them constantly, you know, one, two years in the league. Like, when's he, he's never going to get to play, just trade him. Like, why are you, you're ruining his career just letting him sit on the bench? Like, let him have a shot somewhere, right? Aaron didn't do that. So, and, you know, the other side of the argument, which I completely respect, and that's what I want to do on this podcast, is look at all angles and not just dig into my echo chamber and go, ah, oh, you're stupid. Like, you know, when you look at it, it's like okay, well, he did give him a chance. Other teams passed on him, right? Packers traded up for him, so you can't sit here and completely lean on that argument of, man, they ruined his career. They didn't do him any favors. I'm excited about Jordan Love. I found out where Jordan Love lived, and some of you guys are going, "Whoa, what a creeper!" Now it's just you, you get to know people in and around Lambeau Field, and and you know if if you'll shut up long enough, you can really learn by just listening to people talk. And when I found out where Jordan lived, and I'm not going to give any details. And I don't know the, you know, like, you know, I couldn't take you to his front door, but it was it was pretty cool hearing people talk behind the scenes at Lambeau Field midweek of the Rams week um, and just talking about this dude's junkie. Like, he is a football junkie. He is always in the facility. He's always around Lambeau. And when I found out where he was I was like, that's freaking awesome. That dude could live anywhere. He could live down in, you know – one of the fancier parts of town and, and get away from the stadium like Aaron does, like Brett did, like, you know, so many players do. Right. But when you find out where he, when I found out where he, where he lived, I'm like, this dude really loves ball. And I'm excited about where Jordan love to see what Jordan love can do this year. I really am. And I'm going to be rooting him on big time. Um, I hope he, I hope he just comes out and absolutely lights it up. We give him that extension. Um, if, if he does light it up, you know, <laughs> the price is only going to go up from here. And and that's what's another thing about the Aaron Rodgers situation is people, you know, when you talk about, well, if he plays well, man, you're going to be paying out the union. Well, we've been paying for Aaron Rodgers. God, I can't wait till this is all said and done so we can factor up, we can figure up his cap hit because the only argument they have left when I point out how cap friendly his contract has been over the years is, well, that's going to catch up. That's because the rest of the money isn't tagged. I can't wait to tack on the rest of that money that he's guaranteed and spread it out over the duration of him being in Green Bay and then find the real number of where he ranks salary cap hit-wise. It's going to be – I think it's going to be shocking to some people. But um, anyway, what I was getting at with Jordan Love, if he is great, say hello to the Lamar Jackson situation it's 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 going there if he is the real deal guys you better pray to sweet baby jesus that he approaches it like patrick mahomes did and he approaches it like josh allen did and he approach is he's going to approach it like joe burrow that hey look let's just do a a seven or a ten year deal whatever it was something crazy for pat mahomes because you could maneuver that around with the cap rather than what Lamar Jackson is doing, which is basically no, I want Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed money, guys. That's if if Jordan Love ends up being a great quarterback, you're talking about top five money, right? And and some of you are going, well, that means we got a great quarterback. I don't care, guys. We were there two years ago, and and you did care and you complained relentlessly about how Aaron Rodgers' contract was such a burden. It. The number one, the number one goal is to have a great team, right? A great team costs money. That's a fact. So, buckle up. Either, either Jordan Love isn't going to be any good, and that's going to be all of a sudden. Brian Gutekunst is going to be on the hot seat. If Jordan Love comes out this year, and you know, like Ryan's like, I don't even want to think about it. But, but if he is, put, you know, putrid, I think was the word he used which is such a weird word. I mean, it's it's a good – it's just like when he said it, I, I went, ooh. <laughs> like, it's one of those words that you know what it means, even though you don't know the definition. That's bad. That's real bad. But if he is that, then now it's, well, look, Goody literally ticked Aaron off, and this is what started the downfall, and he wouldn't pay Devontae Adams in 2020, which it's amazing when you talk about that immediately. People go, no, he wanted to play in Vegas. He didn't say a thing about playing in Vegas until 2020 when Goody was refusing to extend him. Now, you could say that was a good business move. Okay, got it. He was still arguably the best wide receiver in the league, and that's one of the other things that people don't mention, along with your two best offensive linemen being out, your best edge defender, Rashawn Gary, being out, Devondre Campbell missing significant time, right? All of those things coming into factor, and you lost arguably the best wide receiver in in the league. Like, is is that a negative move for Goody? Goody? You know, like you could say, okay, well, what did he get in the trade? Yeah, he got he got a significant, you know, uh, um, you know, return in the trade. And that kind of left to, you know, led to that extra first round pick, whether you want to say it's Devontae Wyatt or you want to say it was Quay Walker. Devontae Wyatt didn't get a whole lot of snaps last year, although when he did play, I think it was like, wow, man, why isn't he on the field more? I think he's good. Quay had a horrible PFF grade, although some people would suggest that PFF means nothing and Quay is a great player. I think it's probably somewhere in between, like most things. Um, But, yeah. So, I did a poll talking about – I'll just read the poll for you guys. And I put this up at 7.53 a.m. yesterday, okay? And I basically said – Poll for the next podcast. Now that all parties have spoken, all parties meaning Brian Gutekunst, Matt Lafleur, Aaron Rodgers, Mark Murphy, who do you believe is most? And I put that in all caps. Most guys, I understand you. I want you to understand that I think everybody has a little bit of blame here. Okay, and I know that's not the sexy answer. I know that's not what, you know, when, when you go into a Twitter argument, right, and somebody goes, oh, you're crazy if you think this is Aaron's fault. No, I think it's Goody's fault, too. I think everybody's has got enough. They don't know what to do. It's just like, ugh, well, now I can't tell them. They're st- now I can't say they're stupid because they didn't disagree with me. They kind of agreed with me, but they did disagree with me, but they won't say how much they disagree. It's like, yeah, you're, you're one of those people that like to watch Get Up and you like to watch first take and you like to watch skip and Shannon where they do these rehearse this. Let me, let me just, let's make sure that we pick the, the biggest contrast in opinions, right? Well, we're so far apart. All we can do is argue about it. You're used to seeing that stuff. That's not how the real world works. That my friends is called entertainment. That's what those shows are. That's not solving any problems. That's simply let's choose two extreme opposites and let's just argue about it. That's also your political system, but that's a topic for another podcast. Um, So I said, who do you believe is most responsible for the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers fallout? Feel free to reply why you answer the way you did. Thanks, gang. Have a great day. So the the results are in. They're still coming in. Um, We did it at 753 in the morning. It is now... Uh, roughly 9 o'clock at night, so over 12 hours, we have had 1,218 votes. So this is a good, sturdy sampler, right? 55.3% say it was Aaron Rodgers' fault. 32.8% say it was Brian Gutekunst's fault. 9.4% say it was Mark Murphy's fault. And Matt LaFleur had (laughs) 2.5%. When I say their fault, they're most responsible. Okay. Not that it's just only them. I and mean, a lot of people commented, I think there's enough blame to go around, but I do put more blame on this person. That was the purpose of it. So it's amazing because like you're hearing some people talk about Brian Gutekunst and, 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 this is how, you know, someone's biased. It, the same thing happened with Aaron last year. You know, people called me the Aaron Rogers poll rider and I'll keep that PG 13 in case there's kids listening. Um, Parents explain that to your kids however you want. But I was called everything under the sun because it's like, guys, there's big problems with this offense. Like the RPO is not there. And they have geared this whole offense around the RPO, right? And you no longer have Devontae Adams just running choice routes and Aaron Rodgers making pinpoint accurate passes to him. Aaron's got a broken thumb. You're missing your two best offensive linemen on and on and on and on and on. Right. And and it's like, They wanted to find every little thing wrong with what Aaron Rodgers was doing and how he was playing, right? But when it comes to Goody, it's like, oh, he's done nothing wrong. And this is how you know someone is biased because you never hear them say what they did wrong. I, I spent an entire chalk talk segment breaking down the Detroit Lions game and how Aaron Rodgers completely screwed up and botched that game, and the majority of that loss was on his shoulders, right? I'm still getting caught. It's amazing. Before that, it was, I'm an Aaron Rodgers poll rider. After that, it was, I'm an Aaron Rodgers hater. And I'm simply showing you, here is what actually happened. And if you disagree, show me where I'm wrong. You never get none of that. It's just, you're just wrong. They just want to win the argument. Ryan talked about that on his pod, and he absolutely nailed it. That's the majority of what it is. But the people that never criticize Brian Gutekinds, why is that? Because they're biased. That's where they're dug in at. And I just think that's silly. I think it is. You know, others pretend like Rodgers never had any talent around him. That's BS. That's a complete lie. Like to pretend like he hasn't had good receiving cores, all because because he hasn't ever had a first round pick. Now, could they have done more? I think so. Yeah, they definitely could have done more. Could Aaron have done more? Absolutely, he could have. Even in the MVP years, if you get to the point where it's no Aaron couldn't have played any better, then I'm sorry, you don't understand the game of football. Like there's always room for improvement. There's always, it's just like the whole practice thing. Practice, right? <laughs> God, I wish I had that soundbite queued up. Um, you know, some people were saying, all oh, the practice doesn't matter. And others are going, oh, my God, Jordan Lowe's out there throwing the ball to his teammates in the offseason. You know, like they're, they, and it's just two extremes. Yes, practice matters. Did it hurt Aaron Rodgers? It probably hurt a little, but not near as much as some people are acting like it is. Right? And It's amazing to me how when we talk about, and some of us pointed out, I know Aaron pointed out, that the front office has mistreated people in the past. Right? Well, it's a business. It's a business. Grow up. That's just the way the business is. Players, the receiving core, Aaron Rodgers, other players – Skipped voluntary, voluntary, I'm going to say it again, voluntary OTAs. It's it's not mandatory. It's voluntary. There's a mutual agreement that, hey, you don't have to be here. They skip those, and it's, well, they need to be in there working with their teammates. What happened to the business aspect? They're not getting cut a check for that, right? Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't say you can drop a player on their head when they – put their their heart and their soul out there on the field and won you a Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm going to talk about Jordy specifically. Jordy Nelson was one of, if not the biggest reason, that Aaron Rodgers had the, the, had the career he had because of that chemistry they both created together, right? He goes out there and helps you win a Super Bowl as a young receiver. He always did everything first class. He did everything by the freaking book, the Packer way never complained never held out to the best of my knowledge he goes out there and he tears his acl he battles back from the acl he gets jammed into ribs and has his ribs broken wasn't the same player we're done with him get him the hell out of here get him out of here it's business but then when a player doesn't want to come to a voluntary workout what well he doesn't care about the team that same team that you preach right the team matters and we need to jail and it's about what what's best for the team we're a brotherhood and then when they throw them out on their head sorry it's business sorry sorry about it come on man you it can't be that black and white like you've got to be able to see that in between so that i don't know man that i can't stand when people look at things that way it drives me absolutely insane it's like you want it to be just business when it benefits the front office, but you don't want it to be business when you want a player to go out of their way and do it, you know, like, come on, you can't have it both ways. So anyway, you can't say that Aaron didn't have talent around him. He's always had talent around him. But again, that's how that side's dug in on that argument, right? Um, What's amazing to me is the victory laps people were taking because they looked at this poll and said 55% said it was Aaron Rodgers's fault. 32% 32% said it was Brian Gudikins. Ha-ha, it was Aaron's fault. Told you. Told you. And I'm going, bro, like roughly 300 and whatever it would be, out of 1,000 people, if you just round it off to an even number, roughly 340 people of 1,000 said it was Brian Gudikins' fault. And you're acting like because the majority ruled it was Aaron Rodgers' fault that there's no blame on Goody. Like, and I'm not—I'm not talking about the people that are in the comments going, hey, man, There's enough blame to go around, but I'd probably put it more on this one for the way he acted and the way he handled it. And it's like, man, it, it just whew, right over their head, completely over their head. You know, I listen to 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 Goody and Lafleur, and then I hear the other opinions uh, on what they heard, and I'm, I'm just lost, man. Like, I hear—I heard what Goody said, I heard what Lafleur said, and then we got people that are that, they're literally saying, well. I mean, literally saying, well, I think what he meant right here was actually, no, he said what he meant, and now you're going to take that and try to turn it into something that you want it to mean, right? Like, it's just, it's baffling. And and what's crazy is Michael Lombardi said it this offseason, he said, Aaron Rodgers got everybody in that building contract extensions, meaning Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur for the success they had. Now, all of a sudden, you have a down year. This was midseason last year. Now, all of a sudden, it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. And he used some choice words about it. And you guys know Michael Lombardi's very colorful. Um, he's very, uh, very brash. I'm not a fan of his attitude, but the man is just loaded with football knowledge. And and there's still some people that, oh, he's a moron. He doesn't know anything. You don't know what he's talking about. Did you get to take long car rides with Bill Walsh when you were a young intern trying to learn – you know, get get your foot in the door playing, you know, in, the, in professional football? Because Michael Lombardi did. Did you get to sit in on some of the mistakes and even the great things that Al Davis did? Al Davis, a pioneer of professional football. He was the commissioner in another league while owning a team. And then he took the NFL literally to court to the point where, I mean, he was a significant player in the merger of the greatest sports league on the face of the freaking planet. I know we like to look at him as this kook that wears sweatsuits and he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. But like Al Davis is one of the great football minds. He was a coach, if I remember correctly. I think it's San Diego, I believe. He was a coach before he was an owner. And he became a commissioner. Not many people, if any, can say they they held all those titles. I know he's a moron. Michael Lombardi got to sit in on those car rides. He he worked in Al Davis's front office. Now, he's got a lot of negative things to say about Al Davis, but that was the office that he had worked into. He, he worked under Bill Belichick, like on and on and on and on. But I know you, in your mid-20s, you understand football more than someone who's been around those type of people. Not you listen to my voice, but those arrogant people out there that are just like, oh, he's an idiot. Don't listen. He ain't on what he's talking about. Okay. All right. But he, he literally – I mean, he said it last season. Aaron Rodgers got everybody contract extensions, and now all of a sudden he's the reason they're losing. Like, he, it doesn't make sense. Matt LaFleur basically said that very thing. Hey, he's done a lot for my family. Aaron Rodgers done a lot for my family. Aaron Rodgers done a lot for the coaches here and got them jobs in other places and players contract extensions because his play was at such a high level, right? And – and it just turns into it's always about Aaron Rodgers. It ain't never about the team. Like, how many people got to say it before you go, maybe I'm wrong on this one? Right? Um, he's not perfect. Farthest thing from it, I wish he'd handled the off-season stuff or the off-the-field stuff a little different. A lot different, actually. Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys I have a lot of respect for because of what he's done for the game and what the game means to him. And I know some people are rolling their eyes going, it doesn't mean anything because you've been living in your little echo chamber. And you won't hear anything other than Aaron Rodgers slander, and that's all you accept. And that's cool. With you. I'm not going to tell you how am a fan. Just give them my perspective. But I would not want to hang out with him. We don't have anything in common. I don't have any interest in doing ayahuasca, right? I don't. I darn sure don't care about trying to hang out with celebrities. That's totally not my gig. I'm about the most boring human being you'll ever come across. <laughs> but. I respect what he did for the organization, what he did on the – and there's a lot of people making – they're making uh I'm trying to think of how to say this in a nice way without cussing. They're embarrassing themselves right now. They don't even realize it. But there's a lot of stuff being said right now that 10 years from now we're going to look back and go, boy, you really got your panties in a wad, didn't you? All because you disagreed with him about a vaccine or all because you disagreed that he wanted to go on a talk show with his buddy once a week which is amazing to me, it's absolutely amazing that the people last year that said, I can't wait till he's gone, I'm so tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers, it's always about Aaron Rodgers, they will not shut up about Aaron Rodgers now. Like he is basically not on the team now. I know he's technically still on the roster, but we all would agree he's not going to be playing in Green Bay any longer. Why are you talking about him? I thought you hated him. I thought you couldn't stand him. I thought you couldn't wait to move on because it was always about Aaron Rodgers. Let it go then. Just let it go. I've tried to move on from it and I keep getting pulled back in. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fascinating. It really is. And it does make for good talk. I get it. You know, Ryan said it when we were talking with Ramage the other day. I was like, kidding me? I love the drama. That's what Ryan said. <laughs> drama makes for a good podcast. It gives me something to talk about, right? But uh it's just it's wild, man, that we've got to through two different times that this happened with starting quarterbacks. But I know the front office hasn't done anything wrong. <laughs> like, how do we repeat this? But once again, it's the quarterback's fault. And you guys know where I stood. I feel like it was Brett Favre's fault. I feel like Aaron Rodgers has a lot a lot to uh, shoulder himself on this one, right? Like, he's he needs to take quite a bit of blame, too. Not all of it, though. And, again, if, if all you're doing is just talking about how great Goody is and how bad Aaron is, you're sorry, you're biased. And that's cool. I'm not going to tell you how to fan. It's all good um let's see we got one here larry in texas and we're gonna get out of here we went a little long but i haven't talked to you guys in a while so um i think it's uh hopefully you guys are still hanging out with us here and we're yeah it's just it's just good to be back uh back in town and and chatting with you guys but larry it says greetings clayton this is larry from texas and i wanted to i wanted to get a little something off my chest oh lord have mercy It's so i'm telling what this is but here we go it's so embarrassing hearing how dug-in Packer fans are on both sides of this Rodgers thing. It's funny, we were just talking about this. And I, my God. What's really crazy to me is how the people who are so excited for Aaron to be gone weren't saying a word when we were winning 13 games every year. They refused to point out the shortcomings of our front office. We completely ignored special teams, and that is what cost us a trip to the Super Bowl. They never mention the block punt return for a touchdown. It's always Rodgers they complain about. Also, you're the only podcaster I've heard say anything about the broken thumb last year. You're probably tired of hearing it, to be honest with you, Larry. I've definitely beat that dead horse. I have. Because, it, it, I mean, it, it was amazing to me that no one was talking about it. It's, it's just, like, oh, Aaron's declining. And it's like, you're not even going to mention the thumb? Like, he's got a, he's got a freaking cast on it. Like, it's wrapped up on his throwing hand. Brett played with a broken thumb, and you you thought he walked across water and saved, you know, 30 children from a burning building. Aaron breaks his thumb. It's, high. he's washed up. Get him out of here, stupid va- unvaccinated idiot. Thank you so much for simply reporting facts and not jumping right into the echo chamber that this community has created. I'm excited about love. And I hope he succeeds, unlike those fans last year who were constantly hoping for Aaron to fail. I'm pretty sure you've listened to a podcast of mine, man, because I, I've i said something very, very similar, Larry, and I'm sure that's it's probably why you're reaching out to me. Um, keep up the great work, and thank you for keeping it real, Larry in Texas. Larry, thank you for the message, man. What I want to do is unify people. I really do, but when I, get a, when I get a message like that, it's like I feel it, man. I feel it deep, like, you know the echo chamber thing again, Ryan kind of hit on that in his podcast. And I I thought Ryan did a great job of explaining how you kind of get to that point. Um, And it's not necessarily a bad thing, man. You got a brand. I mean, that's what your listeners, they listen to you for a reason. Right. And they agree with you on that. You shouldn't shy away from that. Not that Ryan ever would. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, Larry, for sure. You know, for me, it's, it's like the thing that bothers me is people not being truthful. Right? That's it's like intentionally not mentioning things. You know the Pat McAfee situation. I haven't talked to you guys about that. We kind of talked talked with uh Matt Ramage. Matt Ramage basically got us on a pod so we could we could spill some tea here about the whole Pat McAfee thing. The tweet that I put out, they got like 1.2 million impressions or whatever it is. Um and again, I just shared a video of his that hey look, this is what they're talking about, it's a great conversation, but you know, People talk about how Pat was being a baby, right? And and Pat did. He, in my opinion, he bullied the heck out of Ian on that. And it's obvious that he's just sticking up for his boy and he's going to bat for Aaron. Pat took it on the shins, right? When you when you go on and you basically say a GM is an idiot, their fan base has a right to respond and be like, what the heck do you know? Like he's one of 32. And you're going to tell me he's an idiot. He's a moron. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about right? But immediately people were like, oh, he just, when you disagree with him, he just blocks you. Guys, Ryan didn't get blocked, right? Matt Ramage didn't get, I didn't get, blocked. I shared the video that ticked him off and I didn't get blocked. So who was he blocking? And we conveniently leave that out, right? And he even mentioned it on his podcast. If you go watch his podcast that when he was responding to it, it's like, guess what it was? I'm going to paraphrase, but the Aaron Rodgers poll riders. Comments like that. They were way more vulgar, but there were Packer fans coming at him making personal attacks. Guys, that you deserve to get blocked if you're gonna say that. If you're gonna attack someone like that and like, you know, just just like be overly disrespectful, you're gonna get I know I'm gonna block you. any anytime someone used that whole Aaron Rodgers slur with me, they're they're blocked. Sorry. And then they're you know. People automatically flood my DM screenshot. This guy's bad mouth. Yeah, he's an idiot. Okay, that's great. I really don't care. You don't have to DM me that. But they're still talking about it. It's like, if we disagree, let's just part ways. If we can't be respectful towards each other, right? And that's that's really what I want to do. What was the name? Larry. Larry, that's what I really want to do, man, is just just be fair about things and be honest. You know, the truth isn't waiting for any of us to agree with it. The truth is the truth, period. If someone says something, that's what they said, right? I'm not going to go and then try to decipher it and go, here's what he really meant. No, he meant what he said. You're trying to put your spin on it, and I have no interest in that because it's being dishonest. You're not telling the truth. I have no, like, life's hard enough as it is trying to understand this crazy world and this freaking society that we've created. That's just completely bonkers to me right now that... First and foremost, it's not about taking care of each other and making sure that our children are safe and make sure that, um, you know, families have everything they need to thrive and and, and live a happy, healthy life, right? It, it's it's hard enough to, to to handle all that, you know. When you add in dishonesty, like in the way that this is kind of off topic, I guess, but I'm just going to mention it, something that really bothers me is how our culture just rams. They, they just literally they constantly throw sex up in your face constantly right it's everywhere and you got kids you know i got nieces and nephews that have to deal with this stuff well we find out that somebody's texting them something that that no one near their age should be dealing with because everything's just at a at the touch of a button and the society we've created is just like it's okay to be dishonest it's okay to put filters on it's okay to fake who you are as long as you're getting clicks likes and that little dopamine drip right that, that everybody talks about. It just, when, when you get to that point in society, you're no longer worried about taking care of one another. It's just simply what makes me feel good. And it, and it drives me bonkers. So I never wanted this show to be about like, let's create contrast and controversy. And I want to be an insider. And, you know, like the interviews we've done, Mike Wall, um, you know, uh, uh Krista Watson, Christian's mom, things like that. But what we had inside information at times with Christian, and I'm like, man, I don't want to be the one to spill that. Like uh, these people that want to be insiders. And I've got a friend close to the Packers and they said this, and it's like, you won't even put sources on it. You're probably being dishonest to be honest with you. And, and that's the approach you wanted. To, I have no interest in that. I just wanted to learn more about the Packers, share what we learned and along the way, meet people like Larry and other people to give their opinion. So I have an opportunity to learn from them as well. To me, that makes great content. Not making up stories and trying to pretend to be a, an insider. Like that's just silly. It is. So I mean, it kind of I'll wrap up with this. It kind of uh, you know, goes back to just connecting with people, you know, and and making sure that any Packer fans that you come across, it's a good experience. And the ones that aren't interested in having a good experience, then you just block them and move on, right? But it's about building each other up and us learning at a different level. You know, there's a lot of fans that are older fans. I have a lot of respect for the fact that they rooted for them in the 70s and 80s. But then I hear some of their takes, and I'm like, you you have all this information at your fingertips, and you're arguing with people on a topic you you haven't even studied or don't even know anything about. You're just wanting to argue. I'm 40 years old now, man. I don't have time to argue with people anymore. I don't. Like, life is too freaking short. Football is supposed to be fun. Jacob and I had a lot of talks about this this past season doing a lot of content together. And that I look forward to his schedule clearing up that we can do that again. But, like, I don't sit down to watch a football game to be miserable. That's crazy. That's abs- I mean, that is insanity. Like, if everything doesn't go perfect, I'm just going to be in a bad mood. I don't need that in my life. I don't, man. Life's hard enough as it is. You know, one of the people we got to meet was Seth Ruder this year. If you guys remember, we did a giveaway and we raised some money for uh, um. Gosh, his name's escaping me right now. I know Seth was a big donor to it. It was uh, you know, we got a seizure service talk guy. I can see his face. I got to meet him. <laughs> got to meet him in Green Bay. He actually went down to Lambeau and we got to take a picture together and everything. Um, Drew, Drew. I, I'm pretty sure it was Drew. Drew's seizure service dog. You know, we helped raise some money to get that seizure service dog for him. And one of the people that donated was Seth Ruder. And Seth was awesome. You know, he, he, I can't remember how much he, ah, he's probably going, don't even say it. You know, I'm kind of the same way when you donate a large sum of money to something, a cause, you don't want, you don't want to try to, you don't do it to get credit for something. Right. But we did a giveaway in the drawing. You know, the more money you donated, the the more your name, your name went in the hat. And we gave away a, a ticket to Money Night Football there against the uh LA Rams. And he got to go with me and Jacob and, and my wife Mandy was there. And it was just so cool getting to meet Seth. We went to the tailgate party together, you know. I can't remember if he had a beer or not. I know Jacob and me, Jacob and Justin and and uh, and Mandy, we had, you know, several drinks and just kind of hung out and ate some good food, watched some people make, you know, uh I'm trying to think of the right word here. <laughs> Make fools out of themselves during an auction. Jacob may or may not have been disappointed that he didn't win anything in the auction, but uh, we just got to meet Seth and it was just, it was a lot of fun, man, connecting with another Packer fan. And this is what it's all about. He tagged me and Pack Daddy, me and Ryan, in a tweet the other day. And I knew that he, they were expecting a child, right? And it's so cool because Seth's profile picture is the picture my wife took for him when he was standing on the upper level. At Lambeau Field, overlooking the end zone, we had access to the rooftop with our club suites, and um, and he—that's uh, his profile pic. And I, I seen that profile pic almost just all. It took me back to that that even and how fun it was just hanging out with those guys and uh, and getting to meet Justin's wife and uh, and us just just kind of get to know each other. It was really really cool. But Seth, he sent us a tweet and he said, "Hey, Pack family, meet our newest member, Tyson. He already listens to the podcast." LOL. Thought I'd share these awesome newborn picks. Um, and it, you know, it's obviously his son Tyson, and he's dressed up in a in Packer gear and, and on the backside of some Bears slander, which we're all about, right? But uh, when he tagged me in that man, it's, it's like it takes you back to those times, you know, spending time with other fans. You know, Ryan's talked about how on game days growing up, if I remember correctly, he was talking about how it was just always good food and football was on and and Packer traditions just kind of bred into you. And I came to the game late, 2003. I was already a grown adult, and I was like, man, I need a pro football team to to root for. Let's go check out this whole – what's this Packer thing about? Two weeks later, I'm in Lambeau Field watching them play the Bears, and I'm like, this is absolutely awesome. I get to sit next to – my wife and I get to sit next to this older couple – and I won't go into the the whole story, but by circumstance, we gave up seats for another uh, another couple. Basically, two guys approached me and my wife and said, "Hey, um, our wives are sitting down here. We couldn't get seats together. Do you, do you care to switch seats with us so you know we could sit together?" I'm like I, I remember looking at him and going, "Listen, dude, yeah, I'm willing to help, but if I go down there and these tickets ain't legit, I'm coming back up here and I'm taking out of your rear end." And he just laughed. He's like, man, you're my kind of guy. I understand. No, I promise. Everything's legit. So we switch seats, and we get to sit next to this older couple. And as we get to talking, the guy that I'm sitting next to, who was probably in his 70s, he was at the ice bowl with his dad. And the entire time, the entire game, my first game at Lambeau Field, I'm watching the greatest rivalry in the entire NFL, Packers versus Bears. Brett Favre at quarterback. This is Brett Favre before he came a scumbag. Allegedly. I got to say that allegedly. Um, And and I'm like, this is just, and I'm sitting next to this, this old gentleman that, that was at the ice ball. And he's telling me the stories over the years. He's been a season tickets have been in his family his entire life. Right. And then when we score a touchdown watching him and his wife and my wife, high five, you know, at the time we're just dating me and my wife, my you know wife now, but at the time we were just, you know, engaged. And, uh, that experience, you know, when we're hanging out with Seth there for that ball game, it takes me back to that time. And it's hard not to get choked up because it's like, man, that's, that's what being a fan is all about. Not arguing on Twitter. Not trying to argue even with other fan bases. Although it can be fun at times. I get it. You want to poke fun. And there's nothing wrong with a little bit of humor there and, and a good rivalry. That's what makes the rivalry. I get it. But when you see the way these conversations turn, it's like, what are we doing? And and Packer fans making fun of other Packer fans constantly because you disagree on a front office move. That's not even going to matter in 10 years. It's going to have nothing to do with the current team in 10 years, heck, even five years, maybe even two years. But you're sitting here making someone else have a bad day because you disagree with their stance on that situation. And you're so dug in, you can't even see the other side. But hanging out with Seth, took me back to that first experience at Lambeau sitting next to that older couple. And just, it was just like, this couldn't be any better. Right. It took me back to that. And then of course he tags us in his tweet and shows us, Hey, you know, here's his newborn son, Tyson. It's like, that's a future Packer fan. He may be doing a podcast in 20 years, 30 years. Right. He may be doing what we're doing right now, carrying on that tradition. Think about that. 30 years. I'll be 70. I'll be, yeah, (laughs) You, you won't care if you, if you don't care about anything I'm saying now, you really won't care when I'm that age trying to talk about Packer football. Right? Which I don't know how long this will last, to be honest with you, with the, how hectic the schedule is. But it's just – I don't know, man. That's the stuff that fires me up. That's what being a Packer fan's all about. And I know it went a little long-winded, but Seth took the time to send those pictures out to me and Ryan – and uh, I thought it'd be worth mentioning and just kind of hopefully we can kind of bring you bring everybody together a little bit. Like, man, come on. Let's, we're, we're all rooting for the same thing. It's OK to disagree. Let's try to see each other's point and be better fans and move forward. You know, nothing in life's worth having or or even doing if you can't share it with other people, man. That's what it's all about. If the only time you're sharing something with people is when you're trying to dunk on them or make them, you know, trying to embarrass them or, or prove them wrong. that you're not Nobody's getting anything out of that. But, again, everything in life, man, that's nothing's worth having or doing if you can't share it with other people, and in this case, other Packer fans. So let's just make sure we get a little bit more unified. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to have great conversations. But when I heard that call on Pack Daddy's podcast and the guy was like, man, why don't, why don't anybody ever call in and talk about how bad Jordan Love is? It's like, Probably because they don't want to argue, dude, you know? Now, I respect the opinion but come on man let's uh let's not try to prod people <laughs> into disagreeing if you want to see that go check out Skip and Shannon they do it every day right or at least during the week that's my knowledge. so anyway we're going to get out of here I went way over but I hadn't talked to you guys in forever probably already turned the pot off if you didn't thanks for hanging around and uh shoot us a message again 865-658-5824 I promise I'll respond it may not make it into the content of the show but we'll definitely try to get back to you guys on it. Really appreciate your time. Hope you guys have an awesome, awesome Thursday afternoon. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go, Pat, go.
0: ...to restart the game, and this one carrying into the end zone, about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15 Hits a hole hard. <laughs> He's to the 25-30. Breaks the clear. Keyshawn Nixon
1: is off to the races. It's Secretary of <laughs> Down the Now the Came into the game, Wayne, the before with a blind entry, didn't practice all week, and he just took it right off the gut, through the heart of the Minnesota Vikings, Virginia.